Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Air It Out podcast. I am your host, Ryan the Goose Gosker, here with you as always, here with episode 52. I'm going with the Ray Lewis episode. I'm doing the Ray Lewis dance as we're speaking. Ray Lewis episode, Mike Webster episode uh, from the famous movie Concussion with Will Smith. I'm joined by my co-host, Jolan Bioka. Jolan, welcome. What's going on, brother? I'm going to go with uh, Patrick Willis here. Pro Bowl in his first seven seasons in the NFL. All-Pro honors in his first six years. College Dick Buckus winner award in 2006. Also won the Dick Buckus award for the NFL with the 49ers. 950 tackles, 8 picks, 16 forced fumbles. A 107 index to make the Pro Football Hall of Fame. For inside linebackers, the average is 114. So we might be talking borderline Hall of Famer. All the Pat Willis stats for you to start this episode. I mean, borderline Hall of Famer, and his career was probably half of what it should be. I, he retired early uh, due to concussions. We talk about Mike Webster was one of the first guys. You know, we talk about CTE and stuff like that. Uh, one of the first guys studied. So, and Patrick Willis fell in his, uh, came in his footsteps. Now, on a local level, Jolan, you got—I mean, number fifty-two. You know, we throw back to high school, and I know we've got some people listening. Well, I don't know if he's listening. But we've got friends from his class, 52, Mr. Lloyd Beasley. Oh, yes, uh, sir. From Compton Lakes High School. Uh, Miss Lloyd. Lloyd's a great dude. Just an absolute, unreal human being. Paul made a snap of football. Yeah. That's a fact. And, and he was, again, just another guy that is a better human even than he is a football player. And he was a, one hell of a football player. But, uh, Joel, let's get into it. There's been a lot going on this week. And, uh,. Let's start. I think we're going to start in the NFL. Yeah, let's just kick it off. we got a new segment for you guys. It's called Sink or Swim. So over the next couple of weeks or so, me and Goose are going to go over a few positions. We don't know how we're going to group them yet. But to start this week, we're going to go quarterbacks. Now, sink or swim obviously means you're either going to sink to the bottom or swim and keep afloat. So I'm going to give you quarterbacks in contract years or maybe a second-year option where these guys are either going to sink with their team or swim. I like it. I like it. And again, listen, for people at home... Goose can't swim. He's too dense. He usually sinks. So just so we keep that in perspective, I'm excited for this new segment. Hopefully you enjoy it. If you've got players too, reach out to us on social media. We'll give you obviously all the tags at the end of the episode. Uh, but reach out to us via social media. Jolon, big news this week. We are now on Google Podcasts. Uh, we are now working on iHeartMedia. Uh, we're working on that as well. So a lot of different platforms. You can listen to the Air It Out podcast. But, uh, again, leave leave your information, leave your suggestions if you've got a name that maybe Jolan doesn't hit on this week or in the coming weeks. Especially if they're not a superstar, because this list is really superstar-centric. Right. Stars draw names, they draw ratings. So we're going with superstars here. So if you got a guy underlining, let us know 100%. Let's start off all the way New England, Cam Newton. Now, it's obviously the big question mark for everyone. He's in a contract year. They just drafted Mac Jones. Does Cam Newton sink or swim with the New England Patriots? Well, this is a tough one, right? Because Bill Belichick's really unique compared to every other coach we see. Every other coach is going to play Cam Newton five games, and he's going to sit the bench because they drafted a guy high in the first round. It's usually how it works. I think at this point in Belichick's career, Mac Jones will play this year. I think Cam Newton is going to. I think he's going to sink. Uh, I do not have a lot of faith in Cam Newton as really? of last year. I still don't think he's got great weapons on the outside. Uh, he does have good tight ends, which obviously will help him a little bit uh, when he needs it the most. But I do not have confidence. And plus two, I believe the factor of your first-round quarterback is going to play at some point. And uh, we always know how that goes. Usually about after interception five on the year, you know, you start hearing the chance for the next guy. You know, we want Mac. I'm sure we'll be blasting through Foxborough. Now we'll throw a wrench in this one because sure. of the situation of the quarterback just being drafted. 
Do you think Cam Newton starts more than eight games? I do not. I believe Mac Jones will be starting within the first eight games. More halfway point of the season now. But I'm going to tell you this. I would not be surprised if Cam Newton played more than eight games. Right? So I'm predicting that he will not reach eight games. But I would not in the slightest be surprised, especially with his coach, uh, that he that he uh, starts more than eight games next year. Let's move it on and keep it to the East Coast. And that's a lot of East Coast chirping going on around here, especially... Daniel Jones, New York Giants, in oh, a prove baby. it year, sink or swim, unbiased opinion. He's got to, he has to swim, right? He has to swim in order, if he wants to stay in New York. I, Jolan, have, and again, I've been very critical of Daniel Jones. I've backed off a little bit as he's proven more. I still think the turnovers are a problem. I still think fumbling the football is a problem. And I spoke to a local, you know, quarterback who might know a thing or two, Robbie Myers, you know, two state titles, only one loss in his high school career in Pompton Lakes, only two interceptions. Big throwbacks this episode. Right. So, you know, like not, you know, a guy that, you know, doesn't know anything. Right. Um, He even talked about, I was talking to him uh, the other day and it's, you have to have a certain feel for the pocket, you know, when you're in there. And I just don't feel like Daniel Jones has it. Now, again, he's got all the weapons to swim. Yet, somehow, I feel he's going to sink this year. Um, but I would love to watch him swim because that makes my team great. So, I'm rooting for him to swim. I think, realistically, he's going to sink. Do the Giants move on from Daniel Jones if he does sink? Yes. Or? 100%. You think they draft the quarterback immediately or the options got, next year not as promising? They're not as promising, but you got two first-round picks. And I think, uh, again, you might. If, if Daniel Jones sinks... Likely the team's going to sink, and Dave Gettleman's employment status is going to sink too. So uh, it'll likely be a new GM, which they like to be married to a new quarterback. We always talk about uh, that. So I would imagine if Daniel Jones sinks this year, uh, they, they are looking for a new uh, uh, signal caller. From young quarterback to old quarterback, we stay in the East Coast. Sorry, folks, on the West. Ben Roethlisberger. We love you on the West. In a contract year, might be his final season as a Steeler. Where do you see this going? Does he sink or does he swim? Yeah, I think he's going to stay afloat. I think he's kind of somewhere right in the middle there. He, you know, I, I'd say a little bit more towards swimming uh, because this is we, – we see this every year. People write people off and, you know, discount this guy and this guy. Ben Roethlisberger is still one hell of a player. He's still going to be a Hall of Famer. He still, you know, is slung it 70 times against the Browns last year. You know, he, he is still, to me, a guy that will be slightly above average. So I, if you had to – you know, uh, require me to make a pick. I'd say swim, but a little bit. I'm not talking. You know, we're talking. We're not talking freestyle or backstroke. But we're talking <laughs> like doggy pedals. You know, we're talking. We, you know, so I think Ben Roethlisberger swims. Now it's interesting to state that Villanueva, now Pouncey, all these guys are leaving the Steelers line. Yep. But they just went running back in round one. Is that going to sway your opinion any more or less? No, I mean, listen, they, they still need protection, but Ben is a veteran quarterback enough to know when to get the ball out and when to you know when to throw it away, which is something we've talked about. Daniel Jones doesn't know how to do. Ben Roethlisberger knows how to do, and uh, I, I still expect him to be good enough. From the East Coast, we go down finally to the Bayou, all the way to the South, oh, down to New Orleans. Bayou. And now it's quarterbacks. You know exactly where I'm going with this. I got two players right now. Jameis Winston, number one in the contract of the year, or Taysom Hill. Who sinks and who swims and who starts? Um, This is, you know, they pay Taysom Hill like he should be starting. Realistically, I think Jameis Winston's got to start. He is the more, you know, we've seen him have 
5,000 yard seasons. Plenty of downfalls, but he's had plenty of successes in the league too. You're right. Um, and uh, so I would expect Jameis to start. I think that's, you know, I think it's kind of Sean Payton's way of putting everybody on their heels. I, I But again, they're with him at practice every day, so I don't know. Um, if it is Taysom Hill, I think it's a sink. I think because teams are Fair. teams will prepare for him and uh and will just continue to find ways to stop him, make him a passer, a strict passer. And at that point, uh, you know, defense has really kind of got you. You know, they they've got you. And I think Jameis um slightly this is tough because I think he's probably right where Big Ben was. So he's on the swim side, but again, he's not competing in the Olympics. He's not doing you know, the backstroke. He is slightly, you know, he's in the beginner lessons. I mean, you, know? you can't go 8-8 eight and eight this year, but nine wins. Right. Something lower along those lines. Right, because he's just got too many weapons. He's still got Michael Thomas. Uh, they still got a good tight end. They still got, you know, some other people. They got Alvin Kamara, uh, as usual. And they still got a good defense and a great home field advantage, which will be back to 100% capacity this year. So, I think Jameis Winston swims, but uh, not by much. Having the modern Gale Sayers and Alvin Kamara could definitely help. Let's mm. talk to a guy who has the present-day Christian McCaffrey, Sam Darnold, on a two-year deal extension with the Panthers. They gave him the team option plus one. What do you think he does here? Yeah, this one I'm going with my heart. I I, I think swim. Um, because, listen, I just think the Jets did absolutely nothing for him. And maybe Gaze, not necessarily. Not the Jets. Right. I, you know, and again, <laughs> listen, like, Jet fans, you, you know, we like to have fun here on the Air It Out podcast. But realistically, yeah, Adam Gase was a huge problem in Sam Darnold's development. The last quarterback that left Gase's system now he went to a you know it's in a it's in a different system than what Darnold just went to, but regardless, it's without Adam Gase. So uh, I like Sam Darnold to swim. I like Matt Rule as a coach. Uh, Thomas Fletcher is somebody who uh, is a long snapper out of Alabama who I had on my radio show. Uh, so I always root, you know, for for guys that I know and and Carolina's got you know they've got some good pieces back with Robbie Anderson. Uh, they lose Curtis Samuel, which I think is is a big piece for DJ them. DJ Moore but, is still DJ Moore. Yep, they still got DJ Moore, which is a huge piece for them. Probably their number one. Anderson's probably slightly there at number two. Uh, and then McCaffrey's such a weapon out of the backfield. I like Sam Darnold to swim. Let's stay in the offense and figure out how we're going to break this down. Sure. Superstars of offense, superstars of defense, then one wild card of week three. Why Let's not? stay in offense. Saquon Barkley. We always talk about you can't pay running backs, you can't pay running backs, you can't pay running backs. But even if he swims, do we pay running backs? What well, happens here? That see now again. I'm gonna leave that for a different discussion because first of all, we've had that discussion. But uh, I think he swims. I think he has a bounce back year. He's got to have a bounce ACL, back year. Yeah. If he wants to even remotely think about getting paid, he needs to have a bounce back year. I expect him to have just that. And uh, Saquon Barkley swims. There's a trend here of a lot of teams with question marks. One more Pittsburgh Steeler wide receiver. Juju Smith-Schuster yeah. will re-sign with the team. I, I think he's going to swim. First of all, he showed his loyalty to Pittsburgh, which is a big thing for them. Uh, but second of all, again, I think he learned from last year. We're very quick to throw blame. I You know, the, and when things go well, we don't care what anybody does. We don't care if people stomp on logos. We don't care if people do dances. We don't care if people make TikToks at, half, at uh, midfield. The minute you start losing, things change. And I think Juju Always. learned from that, whether it's right, wrong, or indifferent, that he's going to change the way he behaves. I think I think he is. I think he's going to learn from it. I think he is. he's in a system where they're on him about it. He's not in a Seattle where I think players get a lot more freedom 
and and he could probably continue to do it. He's in a he's in a system in Pittsburgh that really takes no crap and hasn't since they started playing football way back when. I mean, yeah, they have three coaches in the whole so, tenure of their whole yeah. franchise. So I think uh, I think he swims. I think he has a good year. Well, that wraps up sink or swim for the NFL edition. Goose, let's move to the NBA. Yeah, a lot of a lot of fun going on in the postseason. You know, we've got um, start out West. Phoenix wrapped that series up, swept Denver onto the Western Conference Finals. Chris Paul is in health and safety protocols. I got putting, questions. Putting his um, putting his el- uh, eligibility per se at risk for the beginning of the Western Conference Finals. And it's funny how they're still waiting Le- to hear about that. They, they check LeBron all. That pa- uh, I know down exactly what type of you're about. Yeah, it's crazy, but regardless, regardless. Plus, CB3 might be vaccinated. So At a scramble for words, okay. I do have questions for sure. the Suns right now. Sure, go Are ahead. they legitimate title contenders, or was the last series a fluke? Are they legitimate title? Well, first of all, let's also not forget. And it's, it's hard to say fluke when you sweep. It really is. Well, I understand right. that. But let's not forget, too, you look at their previous series. Yes, Andy Davis went down, and do the Lakers probably win that series? If Andy Davis is fully healthy, I believe so. However, that didn't happen. And they did a good job of when they know LeBron can be at his best. They came out in those games, game I believe game five and six, to close out the series. They blew the Lakers away in the first quarter. Yes. They made that game uncatchable from the first quarter moving forward. So... Uh, situationally, they do such a great job, but they have to have Chris Paul. Chris Paul has to be there. He's that guy. Basically have everybody else take him to the fourth quarter. Come fourth quarter time, it's CP3 time, and he goes to work. So I like what the Suns are doing, and I really do like them, regardless of who comes out of the Utah Clippers series. I I like it to be a very competitive series. Let's talk about the Utah Clippers series because there's a ton of major injuries we are going to go over. You already mentioned a couple of them. Let's talk about Kawhi Leonard right now, but not really Kawhi Leonard and his injury. Let's talk about PG and the Clippers now right. without Kawhi. Where do they go from here? Well, you know, again, it's Paul George has got to be that guy. And he was that guy game been, five or six, rather. Uh, game, game five. Game five, yes, yep. Sir. Um, he has been made fun of a lot. I told you last week that it's about damn time. Playoff Porzingis now is playoff P. There's only, there's only so much crap you can take from people before you finally say, you know what, screw you my time. I'm going to go off for 30. Right. So, and Paul George, again, a game five in Utah that the, the, you know, they call it, some call it the insane asylum in there. Uh, it's loud. It is raucous. They were, they had 15 threes in the first half did Utah. That place was rocking and roaring. Paul George did a great job maintaining the team, but Jolan, I want to give a huge shout out to Ty Lu. I think Ty Lu's a guy we talked about and I gave him credit in 2016 when they won that finals. Because I didn't again, give him no credit, yeah. Right. And, and I think a lot of people didn't. It's very easy to look at it and say they had LeBron, they had Kyrie, they had K-Love, that was it. Even veterans like JR, that's where but I was he, But he's pulling, you know, again, you still need one. the guy pulling the strings, making sure people are in the right spots at the right time. And, you know, he has done that. And he's done it in this series. Kawhi goes down with an ACL injury. We don't know the extent. We don't know if it's a tear. Uh, it could be a partial tear. We don't know. That wouldn't require surgery. Sadly, I know. Uh, because I had that once, but you know, uh, he has found a way to rally this team time and time again. They've been down 0-2 twice. 
You know, and he's found ways to get his guys up for these games and playing at the highest level. The problem with going down 0-2 in the playoffs is you play that many more games. If you do advance, right. you see longevity being a problem for the rest of this team. I mean, it could be. I mean, it, look, it wore out Kawhi, um, and you wonder how how far Marcus Morris' shooting can keep going. Reggie Jackson shooting. Guys that, again, they're not bad players. First of all, they're in the NBA. Second of all, they're in... Marcus Morris is a starter. Reggie Jackson is the first guy off the bench. We're not talking about scrubs here. But we're also not talking about guys that Marcus Flame Morris... Flamethrower is just bang, right, bang, bang. Which they have been in this series. Marcus Morris had 25 in Game 5. Reggie Jackson's had 20, I believe, in four games already in this series. Just he's They've both been playing outside you know, their, realm. their real realm. So uh, do I worry about that in the long term? Yes. Uh, especially since, again, if the if it is an ACL injury, Kawhi might not be back for the entire postseason. Uh, but I think I think they can get by the Jazz, but they got, I think they got to do it in Game Six. Now let's move on from the West Coast to the East Coast right now. Big big comeback win in Game Five for the Hawks. Let's talk Hawks Sixers and Doc's legacy. What's going on here? Yeah. So by the way, the stat to know is. It was in the last 25 years when the Sixers have been up 25 or more points in a game. They were 165 and 0 uh, until Game Five. They're now 165 and one thanks to an unbelievable comeback from the, the Hawks. Playoffs is not the time to do that. Disgusting play by you know uh, Ben. You know what was it? I saw a thing that said Ben Simmons is clutch. He hasn't missed a shot in the fourth quarter in the last two games. Why? Because he's taking zero field goal attempts. In Ben Simmons' defense, Embiid was 0 from 12 from the field. Tobias Harris 0 from 8. They went on a no field goal run from like the final seven minutes to like the last minute. It was. Pitiful. Absolutely. Do you blame Doc Rivers? Listen, Doc, you know, and you unfortunately, get some rotation going. these big comebacks are always seem to be Doc Rivers as the coach. It's the same way with the Clippers. He's lost three. Three one. He's lost three game sevens at home. He's lost three three one leads. Uh, it's it's complicated, man. It really is. It's tough, and uh, you kind of you you wonder you wonder because he's living off that two thousand eight championship with the Celtics. Been about it. I mean, who do you think wins this series? Trey Young's been out of his mind. John Collins has been playing really well. Right. Sixers still have B. Let's not be mistaken. He's nope. still a dominant they force. Still, yep. Absolutely. Who takes this series? We're going to Game Six. I like I like Atlanta to win Game Six at home. That, oh man, that is a tough place to play. You don't think Embiid's going to drop thirty and ten? Oh, he will. But again, we've seen last game he dropped thirty-seven, Jolan. But he was one of five in the fourth quarter, and he was basically useless. Game four that he was zero of twelve in the second half. He was awful. But what I say about Ben Simmons is Ben Simmons only went 0 for 1 in that half. He only shot one shot. I'd rather... Confidence problem. Again, right. But I'd rather see, you know, shooters shoot, right? That's the always saying. We talk about that when, you you know, you're trying to find a girlfriend or stuff like that. But we also talk about it on a basketball court, too. Even in you golf. Know, yeah. You've got to find a way to get your shots and get to the rim. He's a 6'10 point guard. Find your way to the rim once in a while, and could you not shoot 41% from the free throw line? It's worse than Shaq. Barring Come on. Your, barring your prediction comes true, Sixers go out in six. What does this mean for the Sixers this offseason? They've got to they've got to blow the, up the core. Doc's gone. Uh, it's got to be. I, they might keep Doc, but one of one of the four, Doc, Joel, Ben, or Tobias, is gone. Somebody's gone. Some major change is coming if they go out in the second round. Uh, or even next series, if they get up in the Eastern Conference Finals and start blowing leads like this again, it's the same thing. So they they 
they got to really find a way to be competitive. It's hard to imagine the winner of this matchup beats the winner of our next matchup. It's Brooklyn-Milwaukee going to Game 7. We've talked about longevity. Kyrie's hurt. Harden's kind of hurt. Not as full, 100%. We all see it. What's going on for Game 7 here? Uh, Kyrie is out Game 7, so that has already been initially ruled. Now, they're saying he it's not a season-ending injury, so he could come back, say they advance. Um, Joel, i got to tell you, Kevin Durant has really you know put the team on his back, though. Uh, as they as they always say, and he dropped 49 in Game Five, absolute masterpiece. I believe he had 17, 17 rebounds, 10 assists, just a stupid and played uh, the entire game. First time uh, a superstar had done that and scored that many points, or I think it was above 35 points since LeBron did it back in 2018 in the Eastern yeah. Conference Finals against the Celtics. Did like 30 times. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's nuts, but hyperbole, folks. You, hyperbole. You could see that Kevin Durant Game Six was tired, and I, again, like this is this is my thing. People, he played you, every minute of will, Game Five. You will say that, and people are like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. But this is why, Joel, we take LeBron for granted. LeBron can That's do a that. Great point. He did that in Boston. Remember the 45-12 five game? And then he came back with a 30-point triple-double to close out that series. It's very difficult to come back with that same emotion. The letdown, I think, is the expectation and the normality. Yet we hold you know, we tell these superstars all the time, Kevin the Ranch should have had a 40 point game, game six. That's not how it works. He's gassed. He was gassed. So I think Brooklyn wins a game seven at home. I really do. Joe Harris is five of twenty, uh, five of twenty-two. Cold stretch on his last. Uh, he's made five, missed twenty-two of his last twenty-seven threes. That's the same percentage as Ben Simmons. So that's you're you're not in good company there. And uh, listen, irregardless, Joe Harris has got to get going. Somebody's got to hit some shots. Harden looks awful, by the way. I, I don't care what anybody says. Still he passing looks, the ball at a top-tier level. He looks limited. Well, he can always pass the ball, but he looks limited. He's not really going to the paint. He's really just settling for those step-back threes that he loves, and they're not falling. So Kevin Durant has to be special in Game 7. We're talking the tune of a minimum 35 points, and they've got to be spectacular because Milwaukee's coming, and Milwaukee almost stole Game 5. And, you know, they I they've got a chance to win here on the road. I like Brooklyn, though, in the end. I know we're talking a lot of Brooklyn. Let's talk specifically Bucks here. Go ahead. What does Giannis need to do? Not even Giannis. Talk to core three of Middleton, uh, Drew Holiday, and Giannis. What do they need to do defensively and really offensively to win this next matchup? Do they need to rotate on Durant? One takes Harden. What are we got going on here? Yeah, so listen, what I want Chris Middleton to do is play a replica of what he did in Game 6. He had 38 points, was great, shot, I believe, 63% from downtown, 66% from the You get those sometimes from him. Yeah, listen, I want him to play a replica of that. Drew Holiday, stop taking step-back threes. That's not your game. Get to the rack, you know, finish through contact. Giannis, his average distance per shot from the rim last night, or in Game 6, 5.6 5.6 feet. That's what you want. When he does that, he is successful. He, that team will be successful because, again, the temptation to shoot a jump shot when everybody's 10 feet away from you, daring you to shoot it, it's very hard to go away from that. Yet here we are, and uh, and he still just hasn't learned necessarily yet, but he's working on it, and if he does that again, if he attacks the rim like we know he can, they'll be successful. If he shoots another fadeaway jumper over Harden, after Harden calls off a double team, he should be embarrassed. He really should be. That happened in Game 5, and i got to tell you, it was the first thing I reacted to. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. 
If I took that shot in high school or college or even the pros, I'd bet you I'm benched. <laughs> Guaranteed. You take a fadeaway over James Harden when you're 6'10", 6'11", come on now. Let's I mean, be real. Yep. Like, that's You got a man up, and this is a game where Gian, he's going to get killed. He's going to get hacked. He's going to be taking free throws. They're going to be heckling him all day. He has got to understand the physical toll it's going to take. He needs to accept the challenge, and if he does, they'll move on. But if they don't, they're going home. He needs to do jump shot coach, in all honesty. Well, again, but you're not going to work on that now. I mean, you yeah, know, he's got to do that in the offseason. Yeah, yeah. No. So, aside from everything we got going on games-wise, the NBA circuit, or the, the theme here, rather, has been longevity, longevity, longevity. LeBron has some comments with all these players hurt. Yeah, what do we got going on? Yeah, so it's been really interesting. We're talking about Kawhi Leonard. Even in the Jazz, Donovan Mitchell's been limited by an ankle injury. Mike Conley's been out with a hamstring injury. Kyrie. Kyrie's out. CP3 now in the health and safety protocol. Every team, you know, the Nuggets were without Jamal Murray. You That's know, even every, before postseason, but yeah. Right. Every team has had something going on with one of their star players. Embiid's playing on a meniscus tear. All this stuff. No Jalen Brown. No Jalen Brown. He was out. We were um, not going to beat the Nets regardless, but I just want to throw that in there. But, uh, you know, you look at LeBron's comments, and, you know, he's part, he, his comments were basically surrounding the idea that I told you that we shouldn't have started the season this it, this early. It was an I told you so comment. The, the idea, from what I understand, was to have the season start on Martin Luther King Day sometime in January. I believe that's the third Monday in January, if I'm not mistaken. Complete, I, I apologize for forgetting uh, when when that is. But that was the idea. But they lose out on millions of dollars. So, listen, while I'm with LeBron on third the whole week in fact, January, throwing it out there. There you go, third week in January. While, again, LeBron is probably right, I think he's got a little more pull in the NBA. He could have he could have said no. However, however, where I'll give him credit for this is, yes, money spoke in the end. But you got to remember, LeBron, if he is speaking for the league, the majority of the league needs that money. They can't afford to forfeit that contract. Him, Chris Paul, all those top guys can. But if you're speaking for the league as a whole, you have to take into account the majority. And uh, and that and they had to play. Now I'm going to go big brain here. Sure. I'm thinking right now outside the box. LeBron does a lot of antics. When he's not in favorable liking, he lost the first round. He's trying to do something to bring the "I told you so" back. Yeah, you know I mean, he's listen. But, he's but, done it before. Let, let, let yep. me get around them. Okay. He knows Chris Paul on a personal level. They're like best friends, yep. boat buddies, all that good stuff. Chris Paul is the president of the that NBA Players Association. If he really wanted this season to start later, wouldn't he tell him like, "Hey, what do we got going on here?" Right, but I, I, so I think those conversations have gone on. But like I said, if you are representing the league. You also have to represent the majority of players in the league who could not afford to forfeit that many millions of dollars if you move that season. Owners could have covered I'm it. I'm sure. There's, there's some way around Yeah, this. but they're not going to. Yeah, Just because no, millionaires yeah, can yeah. doesn't mean they're going to. Uh, but I do believe those conversations did happen. I believe some tough conversations happened between those two Banana Boat brothers. I, I do believe that. But, you know, at a certain point, uh, Chris Paul's got to make decisions, and a decision was made. Uh, their backs were against the wall, and uh, here we are. Do you, you think know? we see a more lively NBA next year with a full offseason? Well, you, you we had a got pretty the, good year. You've got the Olympics coming up in July. Um, but I think, you know, but again, I think you'll see more guys now, Joel, on take the beginning of the season off. 
if they feel like they haven't gotten enough enough rest, I could easily see it. You know, them load managing at least the first portion of the season. You I hate know, those a- words. After that, I'm just a grinder. You gotta like if you're getting paid money. Yeah, you show not up talking, to work. I'm not talking high school kids who might be hurt. Right. Rest that one game. All right. Your whole life ahead of you. I'm talking guys that get paid the money to yep. sit down and sit on their butts during regular season because it almost diminishes the regular season value. It does, and but the play-in tournament has hopefully dimin- taken that diminish a little bit away. Um, we do know that the season really doesn't start till Christmas anyway. Uh, so it, it's going to be interesting to watch, though. I think guys are going to be very more cognizant of the rest because you look at a guy like Kawhi who got killed for taking all the rest, then comes into this year, plays probably more games than he has. He did, you know, in, in years, and you know, then he's then he's gassed come playoff time, you know. So I mean, we're not guys... even going to see Kawhi barring barring he has a successful recovery and rehab. That's all probably he does. Next postseason? Well, that's minimal. If, that's minimal. If it's a torn ACL, I would imagine we wouldn't even see him next postseason uh, because you wouldn't want to bring him into that intensity. Yeah. Probably be next year. But again, we don't know if it's a full ACL tear, if he's going to need surgery like Clay Thompson and everybody else. But uh, obviously, stay tuned for that. If we if we get more news, we will obviously let you know. From injury to scandal, we go to the MLB. Our we go favorite to Major spot. League Baseball. So <laughs> I, got a, I got a great call from Rob a friend. Manfred. I got a great call from a friend last week talking about the sticky stuff. He listened to the podcast and wanted to let me know. He knows a little bit more about baseball on a collegiate and pro level than we do. And, uh, you know, listen, I think the biggest thing we didn't even take into account is the safety aspect of of why these players use pine tar. And I urge you, urge you, if you haven't already, go listen to the Tyler Glassnow press conference about about what he's talking about. And there's going to be some big news I'll come in with him soon. But he talked about, Joel, on the grip on the ball. You know, he said these baseballs, and I actually remember as a kid, he made a comment that if you ever grabbed one of these baseballs, you'd understand. And I remember somebody making that reference to me when I was in Little League. They told me, they're like, bro, this thing's slippery all the time. You really got to choke it, which is then, you know, do, doing something with your, you know, Forearms, your arm. The elbow. Your, uh, I think it's your stress flexor or something like that or something like that. And then that goes to your, that protects your UCL. But as soon as that's gone, now your UCL is getting killed. That's how you get tears, need Tommy John, all that stuff. So there's a huge safety component to actually having uh, the sticky stuff. Let's go back to the Tyler Glass uh, Glass now. Glass now. Glass now comments. Excuse me for saying his last name wrong. It's okay. Do you think he's outright cheating, or is this some sort of I use sunscreen? I use a little bit of pine tar, like, or are they outright using spider tech or? Sticky stuff, whatever they call it nowadays. Right, and I think the one the one thing the players make a great i great point about is there. It's always been a gray area. Well, you can you you can't really use this, but you can't use too much of this. There's no there was no guideline, you know. So I think players got confused. Uh, I was listening to WFAN and they were talking about it, and they said teams like buy this stuff. So like it's not even like the players are going on the black market and like buying this. They're like. They get team, a ship from BJ's the, the team, <laughs> the like wholesale. The, the teams have it. The teams have it. So I think we're at the point, Jolan, we have to be very careful um, with looking at and monitoring injuries in Major League Baseball, especially with the pitchers coming up, and whether that's guys getting hit in the face now in the batter's box like Kevin Pillar. Uh, that obviously wasn't a result of non-spider attack because the rule didn't come into play. But stay tuned for that because it could be – it could turn real quick on Major League Baseball. And yeah, uh, sticking with Major League Baseball and around the league, we're going to talk about injuries. What's happening in the Big Apple right now? Yeah, Jacob DeGrom uh, 
not scratch, came out of another start uh, with an injury. I think it was shoulder tightness this time. You know, there's something going on there, and, and no MRI, uh, MRI shows no structural damage. Should say he's been playing long toss. I think he's throwing a bullpen session today. So, you know, he looks fine. He says he's fine. Uh, and But, Joel, and i got to tell you, he pitched three innings the other night, had another RBI, so still has, more, still has more RBIs than uh, earned runs given up. And he faced nine batters in three innings and struck out eight of them. So, you know, the guy's still pretty good. So, I, you know, I expect him to be great uh, as we usually see him. I think it's just going to be one of those nagging things that just keeps flying around. Now, is this the time where you have a couple options with Jacob DeGrom? He's either A, hurt because he's batting, and do you shut him down from batting? Or is this one of those things where when you have a little tweak in an area, all of a sudden you start to lean and rely on a little more areas, and all of a sudden those get tweaked to optimize the potential of how you're actually throwing? I think it's probably the second option. I think the whole batting thing is no. No? No. He's not a nine, just sit there guy? No, I don't don't think so. He's, you know, he's always taken hacks. You know, he he did it in college. He did it, you know, he does it in the Yeah, played shortstop in college. Yeah, so I I don't think that's the problem. I I do, if I had to pick one of the two, I would lean towards more. And and that happens with any injury. You know, you hurt your knee. You start leaning on that knee, then your back starts hurting on the other side because you're favoring the one. All of a sudden, you know, the hip starts to tweak. Yeah, things start going, and and so, but again, I think Degrom will be fine. He already had an IL stint a couple week, couple few weeks ago, I should say, and you know he came back and the same thing, you know, so it wasn't really worth it. Um, because you're up, what what are we up now? Ten games, the Mets are. Uh, the Mets are no, above the Mets are up five. They're ten games above five hundred, or maybe nine after they just lost to the Cubs. But I think they're up four games in the NL East. Is this the time to shut down Jacob DeGrom for 15 days? You know, it. here's the problem. You're short on starters already. And, again, like... Well, Carrasco's due back July. You already put him on the IL, and the same thing happened. So, you're almost like... You're kind of throwing it up in the air. I, You know, I'm very sometimes reluctant in these situations to give the the... Uh, the athlete power in this situation, but I think if Degrom says I'm good to go, he knows his body think, better than anyone. Yep, I think you got to trust him and, and let him go out there and do his thing. Because again, even those three innings, that's three less innings on your bullpen, and he was again perfect in those three innings. So, uh, I, yeah, I would let Degrom make that decision. Reed Foley, I believe his name is Sean Reed Foley. Sean Reed Foley, tremendous when he stepped they're, into um, the game the other day. There, he's their long reliever, I believe. Yep. So it's. It's getting very interesting, and now for Major League Baseball, we go to college baseball, Omaha. Yeah, they're going to Omaha. So, you know, great time. And, of course, Tennessee is in the College World Series. I'm great story uh, of Tennessee. Would you you like to take a guess of which alumni they called? Peyton Manning? Of course. It's the the, the the sheriff, And the guy set it up, and he goes, yeah, we're going to be flying into, and Peyton Manning's like, Omaha! And, you know, just the old Peyton, so... Uh, I love this stuff every year, watching college kids get to compete, Joel, on it. So it's just so much fun. Uh, it's so much fun to do. And, uh, you know, best of luck to everybody in the College World Series. As uh, the summer hits, we're now into golf there at the U.S. Open in Torrey Pines. It's a lot of fun, and uh, we're enjoying it. Now that we're wrapping up college baseball season, yep. let's just get into college the pro shifting questions sure. right now. So do you think, because the NBA has kind of used college – as a one-and-done deal, not really a stepping stone, whereas the NFL has used college football as you can market these players before you draft them. They're worth X amount of dollars already, and their jerseys will sell. 
Where does baseball approach on college baseball stand? Do you think it's better for someone to go to college baseball or straight to the farm system? Well, I think it's interesting because in college baseball, and again, my buddy, he'll listen to this, and if he if I'm wrong, he'll he'll give me a phone call. But I do believe when you are draft eligible, you do have the option to go back to school, and then you will be drafted. You know, next year, obviously, really cool. you know, Lord willing, anything happens. Uh, so, and I think that that provides a player both sides of the stick. You know, if you just had a breakout year and you think there's a new level and you get drafted, you could say, no, I think I'm going to be better and I'll be drafted higher next year. Or you could say, hey, my family's in a tough spot. I need the money. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to live my dream. So uh, college baseball, I think they do a good job uh, because, again, it's going to be you're going to you're in it for the long haul in baseball. You know, basketball, it's all about it's all about potential. It's all about these guys that are raw talents. 17, 6, 7. It's not even about these guys. You know, you get guys that average 12 points in college over guys that average 25 because one's got raw potential and the other went four years to college. So that's the NBA draft. The NFL draft is very much a, a stepping stone right to the NFL. You are learning how to deal with grown men. And you are learning how to be physical enough to sustain a season against grown men, and then it only gets longer. It's a great than the NFL. point. It's more of a physical aspect with football, than right? Anything. So I like college baseball in that aspect that you can choose. You know, you can say, "Hey, I'm going back to school." Um, you know, this is my thing, and they do that a little bit in lacrosse too. Uh, and I kind, I like it. You leave the decision up to the student athlete. You don't strip them of their eligibility, and they're able to make the best decision for them and their family moving forward. Can't ask for much more. Basically does it up. We got anything else? I don't think so, Jolan. That's going to do it for episode 52. A lot of fun, as always, um, as we talked about the Ray Lewis, Mike Webster, uh, Patrick Willis, and Lloyd Beasley episode. Uh, shout out, Lloyd. We hope he's doing well. Longevity, longevity, longevity. longevity. That is uh, the topic of conversation today. Well, if you want to reach out to us, you can always reach out to me on Twitter and Instagram, at Goose on the Mic. It's the same handle for both. Social medias, Jolan, where might the be where might the people be able to find you yeah. and or the podcast? If you want to find me, you could follow or follow me rather, you could follow me on Twitter and Instagram, um, at good old Joel's. If you want to follow our Instagram, it's at air it, air it podcast, And our Twitter is at podcast air it out. Again, any questions, comments, concerns, players. We need players for the third week. You got any idea of some wild card players in a contract year? You let us know. Yeah, we'll keep it rocking and rolling right here. And uh, next week will be episode 53. We're inching closer to the goose episode at episode 56. Jolan, until next week, until episode 53, and until another Jacob DeGrom beautiful gem of a start. Put in the books.